0: Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're listening. And then Monday night happened, and I was watching live uh, this crisis unfold on live television. And when Damar Hamlin collapsed, uh, they went to commercial, And and even if you're not a sports fan, probably by Tuesday or Wednesday, you were hearing, just reading and hearing all over. I mean, it was just ubiquitous all over our country. It's a phenomenon that happened this week. Uh, I'm watching, you know, coming back from commercial, and now the helmets are off, and you see concern, and just somewhere there in the first, I don't know, 20 seconds of being back, I spoke out loud staring at the television. I didn't bow my head. I didn't close my eyes. I, I just said something to the effect of, Jesus, this man needs help. Something's going on. You can see the concern. You know, those of us who watch live, like, oh, man, these guys look. And then, you know, here I am talking out loud. I'm in a room of about seven people. My nephews were with me. And then you see a player with his helmet off, and he looks like he's mumbling to himself and somebody in the room said he's praying that guy's praying and then you see another player talking to himself but no 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 he's actually praying and then you know i think after the next commercial break they come back and uh, now there's two or three players grouped up together with their heads bowed praying and so While this growing concern for this man's life is happening in me and in, you know, in all of us, everyone watching live, there's also this, not not Pastor Brad, but follower of Jesus Brad, noticing that, wow, prayer is happening on live television. And then it gets to the point where the ambulance leaves the field and Sean McDermott, the coach who is now my favorite NFL coach (laughs) after this week, gets his whole team together and they bow on the field, and pray together. And then later, we would hear the next day, the Bills organization says, as a team, we believe in prayer. They just, they, they just put that out there. You know, you're reading this on social media, and they're saying it publicly. And I there's this voice running concurrently with the concern for this man's life, for Damara Hamlin. What is happening right now I go on Twitter after the ambulance and, you know, the commentators don't know what to, the NFL is trying to figure out what to do. And I'm on Twitter and it is remarkable to me how many people on Twitter are using the word praying. And some prominent people, athletes from different sports, are they're not just saying I'm praying. They're saying what they're talking to God about. God, you can make this right. God, you can use the doctors. Use the... And then the next day... I come in at about noon to turn on ESPN to just see if there's any kind of update. And at the end of of NFL today, I think one of the NFL analysts on live television says, Listen, everybody's praying. And I just, I know we're on live TV, but I'm going to just stop and pray right now. I believe in the power of prayer. And he prays. And the, the other people on set, they bow their heads. And again, I'm like, What is happening? He prays, God, you can heal. God, you can use doctors and nurses, and I've seen you do this. And so, there's something in me saying, we can't do this as a country anymore. What's happening? This isn't okay to pray out loud. We're supposed to be stopping people from praying. We're supposed to be saying, stop praying. <laughs> do something practical. Did you notice that? Have you? I mean, this, it was kind of like a... A sub-story happening this week. And then CNN and Fox News and newspapers are showing photos of people praying, gathering to pray outside the hospital. Sean McDermott's live interviews. Uh, Here's what we prayed as a team today. That God would, he's naming God. And so I'm watching for the first time in recent memory, our country become united. United. Our country has so desperately needed to be united, we are desperate for it. Even on opposite sides politically, as our country is, there is a deep craving that we have unity, and no one knows how to find it, and Damar Hamlin is responsible for our country having the first substantive unity that I can remember, I think since 9-11. I'm not kidding. I mean, correct me today if I'm wrong, if there was like a unifying moment Our country was unified this week. I've been saying that we need, not that I ever want war, a threat against our country, but it's going to take something, some kind of crisis to unify us. And here we are going into 2023, right at the beginning of the year. I think Monday was the first or second. Our country is suddenly unified again, not because of an external threat, but because of concern For someone that we don't even know, a total stranger. And while this unity is happening, the instrument of unity is prayer. And so I just kept asking this week, what is happening? Our country has become a country of prayer. We can't make up our minds. As a country, we can't make up our minds. As a society, and we can't make up our minds as individuals... Can we? Now, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm generally presuming that you don't consistently pray. There have been times in my life where prayer just dropped off. We can't decide as a country and as individuals whether we should be praying, whether it's okay to pray, or to stop praying. We stop praying. I think we all do at times. And I think there's a lot of reasons for this. I think we stop praying because we're busy. Life is chaotic. I think sometimes we're under stress and we stop praying because we've got to get ourselves back together before we can really give time to God. I mean, how backwards is that? God, I'll get back to you when I get this sorted out. You know, we kind of, some of the running voice in our head, I think in the background of our life. I think we stop praying sometimes because of success or because life is just working. I don't really need to pray right now. How backwards is that? We're going to talk about that being a result of not understanding what prayer really is or the the primary purpose of prayer. I think we stop praying when God doesn't respond. It seems that he's not responding. And so we quickly just, well, I guess that didn't work. But then inevitably, isn't it true? As individuals, and even on the scale of our country, situations or circumstances happen where we find ourselves back in that place, I don't know what else to do. There's something in me driving me, pushing me toward God. Only you can make this right. And listen, I need to be careful when I'm citing, you know, something about friends, people I love, but... I have a number of people in my life, I cherish these relationships, who are anywhere from on the scale of cynic, don't believe in prayer, stop praying, Well, maybe say that on social media, all the way through agnosticism to atheist. And then everybody in between. People in the community, and people that I know in the film festival that I lead, and, and people that I went to school with. And yet, it's amazing to me, this has become undeniable for me personally. And it's easy for me to stand on stage and just kind of quote generally. I am telling you there is a pattern among atheists who will make loud and clear and articulate so well why God doesn't exist. And this is all we have, this life here. But then when certain circumstances happen, you know what I'm going to say. When, when a doctor's appointment is coming up, this happened with two of my very close friends this past year. At least two that I can think of quickly. Suddenly they're reaching out to their friend Brad... Maybe Pastor Brad, Brad who I think might actually be connected to God, and hey, listen, uh, Brad, would you you just throw a prayer up or talk to the man upstairs, you know, those very impersonal descriptions. And I, in the crisis, I'm not going to say, wait a minute, you don't believe in prayer, what? And yet it has happened for years. More people than I can count. People who do not believe, they stopped praying long ago, they're back to needing to pray. I believe, regardless of our hurt, where God didn't show up, or we're just cynical, maybe because of the home we grew up in, or maybe because of a bad religious experience, or some kind of church-organized religion, hurt. Whatever his... Cause you to stop praying, and maybe your own success. We end up back in that place of dropping to our knees or mumbling to ourselves where we realize, oh, I'm talking to God. Because you and I were designed, we are hardwired, it is in our DNA, for life to work, for us to actually function when we pray. Your life only actually works. You only walk in real life in peace, in confidence about the future, where anxieties begin to fall off of you. And you begin to speak as an influencer, no longer con- consumed by the worry that controlled you. You're now encouraging other people only as a result of talking to God. And yet we stop praying. So much so that some of us tell others, stop praying. It's so annoying. It's eerie. It doesn't, it's not practical. Do something practical. We stop praying because we don't properly understand the role of prayer. I think this is true of most people. When I say that, that's a pretty big statement. I really do. I'm pretty convinced over many, many coffees, uh, phone calls, reading, just public opinion, being on social media. I believe, generally speaking, we, the public, our society, maybe many people who fill churches do not understand the role of prayer. And it so quickly leads us to leave it alone or lay it down. We're not trusting it. We have believed, maybe you were taught this directly or indirectly. Maybe it's just sort of a paradigm that you absorbed growing up in America, we have believed that prayer is about us getting from God what we need him to do for us. And that concept is why we stop praying. If you believe that, you will eventually stop praying. We are slowing down and we are focusing on connection with God. Not coming to church to just be reminded that something good is there and he can get me through another week, We we are going to invest in the weeks and months ahead on the idea that God wants to be close to us and he wants to be active in our lives. It's what you were designed for. I'm going to tell you right up front here the four ways God speaks to us. This is clear through scripture. The first is through scripture. The second way God speaks to us is through people. People uh, the way Jesus describes it, and then Paul and John and James, is when someone follows Jesus and they are filled with his spirit, they begin speaking into the lives of others. And so often at coffee, you know, I'll ask, Alton and I had breakfast uh, Friday morning. Alton, Alex, and I often meet, and we will just speak into one another. Sometimes we know, like, hey, I think, I think God may have... Other times it's just... I leave and text them later. Man, you guys, you don't know it, but you actually were confirming something. The third way God speaks to us is through circumstances. We'll say things like, hey, God closed that door, or he really opened this door. Uh, that's, a, that's just a casual way of saying God speaks through circumstances in my life as I'm watching. And the fourth way God speaks is through prayer. Now, I want to, and we're going to spend... The rest of our time here next few minutes on that but I, I want to just back up and talk about scripture there's a lot of cynicism about trusting scripture can we trust it it's this book lots of writers seriously th- th- this is somehow like God's words um let me let me let me read the way John begins his gospel his record of the life of Jesus this is so profound for us if we're serious about connecting with God and walking and lockstep with him and seeing him active, being part of the movement of God in this world, listen to these words. In the beginning was the word. Isn't that interesting? This is the first phrase that John gives us about the power and reality of Jesus. In the beginning was the word, the voice of God Himself. God speaks. He spoke at creation, let there be light, let there be, he creates with his voice. God wants to be known. He wants you and me. It's his deepest desire in creating us that we would know him through communication and relationship. In the beginning was the word, the voice, the presentation, the the message of God. And the word was God. We, We know that John's talking about Jesus. We see that here in just a few. The word is Jesus. Not only was Jesus with the Father and the Holy Spirit, but the Word, Jesus, who would come as the presentation, the voice, the message of God. He himself is God. The passion to speak to us is God himself. It's who God is. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was actually the voice of creation. We tend to think that Jesus showed up at Christmas. We haven't seen him. We don't know anything about Jesus until Christmas. No, actually, we're taught all through scripture, Jesus was the voice of creation. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot push back against this light. This is, this, this is a light that's immovable. And then in verse 14, the word, John's talking about Jesus, became flesh. The voice of God who speaks and wants to be known, deeply desires to be. He became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. So here's my question that I want you to kind of go into the series with. If if God's words can become flesh, if God's words can take on human form, can't he, wouldn't he also put his words in written form? I mean, which is the biggest miracle? Which, Which is more remarkable? If God's words and voice can come into this world and present him the true heart, the true nature of God not just the miraculous events in and through Jesus, that this voice, this message of God can take on our selfish need for control, our own brokenness, and go to the cross and put our death to death and then have power over that death. If he can do that, the words of God, if the words of God can become human form and do that couldn't God and wouldn't he put his words in written form of course we live in this media age where everything and anything can be on video so quickly we tend to question like really all those books of the bible all yes oral tradition being turned into written form just made the story concrete in the ancient world it, it was credibility as a story When it went into written form and Luke starts his gospel account, I did careful research. I investigated the stories and claims and eyewitness accounts of Jesus so carefully. So God speaks to us through scripture. He speaks to us through other people, primarily people of the church, who are following Jesus and sensitive to his spirit. He speaks to us through circumstances as we're watching what God's Spirit does throughout our day. And he speaks to us through prayer. And this is getting to the real purpose of prayer. I was thinking Tuesday or Wednesday, what if DeMar Hamlin doesn't wake up? And it's remarkable. I mean, this is, you know, they're crediting the first responder, the, 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 the Bill's assistant trainer who recognized within they know the seconds, that this was a cardiac event. And he began CPR. And I think today at one, at the Bills game, they're actually going to recognize him. They're going to recognize the, the, the EMTs. It's just remarkable. And if we're not careful, we can kind of lean toward uh, human ingenuity, our education, our own talents and abilities. It's clear in the story of God that God uses us, forethought, education, science, medicine. And there are many times where just the miraculous happens. But what if DeMar Hamlin had not woken up or what if the story had not unfolded the way it did this week? My mom actually said to me, my mom is just, she prays, she prays for you. My mom will wake up in the middle of the night and I'll get a text, you know, I prayed for as many people in your church as I could think of at three in the morning when I got up to pee. That's TMI. I shouldn't have said that part. My mom's going to hear this later. Sorry, Mom. She, she prays for us. She prays that God's movement would be at work in you and me. And she said to me on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm just concerned that if this isn't the outcome that we all want, that our country will turn from this fever pitch passion for prayer again back to, ah, uh, see, it doesn't work. And again, I said to my mom, I said, that, that's a result of not understanding what prayer is about. That is what we do when we think prayer is about getting God to do for me what I need him to do. And then I can get back to regular life. Prayer, I've been journaling well over 12 months now about prayer. And I've been using often, I think most often the word I've been using is tether. Prayer is a tether. It has been given to us to connect our broken world, our imperfect world, our world of hurt, anxieties, threats, awful doctor's appointments. Prayer is what tethers us to God's world, God's realm. Prayer was given to us to connect us to the one who is in control. Prayer is your way to say either someone who's maybe not A person of faith, or really practicing faith, maybe it's a desperate statement. God, I don't know what else to do. I've lost all control. There's nothing else for me to do, so I'm turning to you. That's honest. That is actually a proper form of prayer. When you're at the end of your rope, you've tried everything. Money isn't solving the problem. Medicine's not solving the problem. And so, God, now I'm turning to you. That is a That is a beginner's way of saying, I have lost control. My instinct tells me you're the only one who's actually in control. That's actually an accurate form of prayer. That's a a better description of what prayer is than I just need God to do what I need him to do, and then I'll get back to. But more accurately, more prescriptively, prayer was given to you as a, is a way for you to surrender control. Not always when you're desperate and there's nothing else you know to do. But as you grow in faith, as we mature in our faith, we find ourselves more intentionally, more proactively saying, God, I'm going to stop controlling this. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I am surrendering control to the one who I believe is in control. I believe you're the one who has the answer. I believe your timing is right. I believe you have the heart for this person. I don't even, this week, I don't even know this person. I didn't even know who the Buffalo Bills, I'm, a foot, I'm obsessed with football. Since I was four years old, I've been just walking around with a football. I'm obsessed with football. I didn't know who the Buffalo Bills safety was. Had not heard his name. Total stranger. People who understand prayer and what prayer is and that it's our tether to God. It's our connection to God. We actively surrender control. We pray things like, God, I so hurt for this man. I don't know what's wrong. I thought, I, I was guessing it was his neck before the, before the first or second commercial. Like, God, reach into his neck. Dude, just, you know, you care so much about, I don't know him. I didn't know his name, but you know his name. I don't even know how to pray. That is such a great prayer. God, I don't know how to pray. But you, creator, the one who's in control, you know what to do. And this brings us to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus, before the famous Lord's Prayer. Famous. It's so crazy. I'm going to name my high school baseball coach. It's been... 35 years, doesn't matter. Coach Beckman. <laughs> coach Beckman uh, used colorful language as our coach. He would, uh, you know, he'd bark orders during our warmups before every game and there were F-bombs thrown in there and lots of different language and it was just kind of the, the coaching culture of our high school baseball team. And, you know, one second he'd be yelling, you know, something with some profanity about our warm-ups. And then five minutes before every game started, okay, fellas, group up. It's time to pray. And he would lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And it was just the oddest thing. And you know that every single player standing in that circle is thinking the same thing. This is a superstitious act we're doing. This is about winning this game. This is about... He thinks if we do this, we have a better chance or there's some kind of favor. And this is kind of how we treat the Lord's Prayer. It's just this famous prayer. We know how to recite it. That is not what Jesus was doing. He was not giving us a perfect word order so that we can somehow get through the day a little better if we recite it just right. That's not the purpose of what Jesus was doing. It starts a few verses earlier in verse 5. When you pray those of you who are seeing who I am, the message, the voice of the living God of creation itself, those who are now putting their trust and confidence in me, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Do not be like the arrogant religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They love to stand up and pray in the houses of worship and on the street corners so that everyone will see them. You know what Jesus is doing here? He's confronting the notion that was prominent then and is prominent today about prayer. That prayer is an instrument that is self-serving. Prayer is about promoting me. It's about getting me ahead. It's about getting me out of emergencies. And prayer is about making me look good. And in the Pharisees' case, it's about advancing them politically. I'm going to look impressive and I'm going to sound intimidating... Jesus says, I assure you, they already have been paid in full. Meaning there's not a lot of substance happening in their lives. There's actually not the results of prayer. There's not the power unfolding. The movement of God. The voice of God filtering through the person so that now their voice is echoing the voice of God. That's not happening, Jesus says. I had, this, I, I had this image, this, this, this metaphor come to mind this week uh, in the last week or so about this. This concept of prayer, that it's self-serving. Imagine, imagine being at the, the altar for your wedding. And the, the climatic moment of the wedding day are the vows. It's, it's the pledge. It's what you commit, what you say to one another. Imagine you, when it's your turn... You know, in that moment, like, this is your life, the rest of your life. And, you know, you're making this statement. You say, sweetheart, as I look into your eyes, I make this commitment to you today because you are going to make me look good. You are going to help me get better jobs. You're going to get me out of tough situations. You're going to make me feel happier about myself. And if I, if I find myself in an emergency, I know who to call. That's not love. That's the opposite of love. Love is saying, I'm making this commitment today because I care about what you care about now. I want to change the juxtaposition of my life. I've made that choice. I'm now asking you, what do you need what matters to you? See, that's a powerful vow at a wedding. Can you imagine a wedding where somebody's like, this is about me being better and looking better? and That is such, I, I really believe God gave that, put that in my head as how we often think of prayer. God, I'm turning to you because I need, I need my life to be better. And if you don't do this, or if you don't do it this week, then i'm going to know you're distant you don't care you're irrelevant prayer is saying what do you want god what are you doing what is your plan you are creator you are in control i don't want to be in control and if your timing is different than mine i'm going to trust that your t- if 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 there is a bad result I'm going to trust that good and beauty is going to come out of it because that's what you do as creator and recreator in a world that's broken. You're recreating life and good, even out of bad and broken. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what you do in private will reward you. Jesus is not saying only pray in private. We know that because Jesus prays publicly often with the disciples, with many others, in front of Lazarus' tomb. Jesus is saying, don't make prayer a public display to try to get something out of it. Don't try to use impressive words. Be humble. Be simple. Use casual language. Speak to God from your heart. When you pray, do not use a lot of meaningless words as the pagans do. Who think that their gods will hear them because their prayers are long. Do not be like them. Your father, listen to this. Your father already knows what you, what you need before you ask him. Wait a minute. If prayer is about getting God to do what I need him to do, this makes no sense. God already knows what I need before I ask him. Well, then why pray? <laughs> Because prayer never existed for you and I to just quickly get what we need God to do. Prayer exists so that we connect ourselves, surrender control of our lives to the one who's actually in control. Prayer exists to tether us to God's realm, his reality, his power, his great, his good. Even if the response or the result is later than we want it to be. This is how you should pray. We're just going to look at the first two lines for today. Jesus says, this instead is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, the old English is hallowed. May your holy name be honored. Holy means perfect and different from everything else. Perfect as creator. Perfectly good. The one whose Genius above all education, the author of science, the one who was uniquely above everything in beauty and good. That's what holy means. May your holy name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your... See what's happening here? Gotta care about what matters to you, what you're doing. What are you unrolling? What, what are you rolling out? What, are you, what is your strategy? May your kingdom come. May your will be done on broken earth as it is in heaven. May your space, your holy, good, creative, beautiful space, invade this broken world. The situation with my neighbor. What's going on with my coworker. The anxiety that someone in my home is struggling with right now. I'm surrendering this to you. I want you to invade this situation, and I'll wait. If your timing isn't today, if it's not tomorrow, your timing, your plan, your power is perfect. For those who struggle, who who think prayer is about getting what we need now, and if it doesn't happen, well, I guess it doesn't work. Maybe prayer is random. God's not really there, you know. Let me throw this at you. Jesus prayed in the garden as the soldiers were already on their way to arrest him. As he would go to the cross with what scripture says is our sin, our selfish control. He would take the punishment for that. And in the garden, Jesus asked the father to take this strategy away and let's let's do plan B. Will you take this cup from me? See, this is problematic for people who think prayer is about getting what you want. Getting God to do what you need right now. The Father does not respond with what Jesus is asking for. And where we see prayer properly formed here is where Jesus ends this prayer. This is what my heart craves. And yet, Father, not my will. Your strategy, your timing, your plan. I will trust it. In that moment, prayer wasn't about God just changing the plan. Prayer was about being connected to the heart of the Father. Being surrendered to his plan. I have shown you pictures of Old Forest Circle. I just went there last week while I was in Winchester where I grew up. This is where I learned that very first night. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed. This is exactly a mile where I used to live. The circle is... Mile and I prayed that night in the snow as a 19, 20-year-old struggling in my faith and trying to work out my future. And, and that night turned into another prayer walk and then another. And then weeks turned into months. I cannot count how many times I walked that circle where what filtered out of me was, God, I need you to tell me, is it architecture? What, should, what college? What, just hurry up and tell me. Two months and years later, I understood, God, you know my life. My life belongs to you. Help me be sensitive to your plan. Help me to hear your voice. Instead of praying everything I need, God, help me to, to be an encourager to others. My prayer just evolved to other people. And now I've got trails and hiking places all around Loudon County. In my neighborhood, in Aldi. Snickersville Turnpike I journaled a lot this year about the wilderness. We try to get out of the wilderness. The wilderness is a metaphor of being in a dry and barren land. Life kind of sucks. This is not life's not going well. That's in scripture that's called the wilderness. And we want to hurry up and get out of the wilderness. Our prayer is, God, get me back to happy and good. Often what I've discovered this year is often God wants to meet you first in the wilderness, in the hurt, in the loneliness in the uncertainty, in the anxiety. He wants to become your God in the hurt. And then, as I was journaling this, Anike walked up to me one Sunday and said, Brad, I just, I feel so passionate about praying for our church. Could we meet and pray? I don't want to pray about me, I want to pray about our church. Just what God wants to do here is people are gathering and new new folks are coming in. And man, that just, something in that. I've just, Kumar has been a prayer, somebody who's prayed for our church for a long time and various people, we have a, a prayer team here there's something happening in the heart of this church there's something happening in your life whether you've noticed it or not there is movement god is moving us toward his heart and plan it's exciting to me and that's why we're starting this year in this and so i close this morning with with just a couple invitations and then i'm going to put four prayers on the screen get your phones ready you may want to screenshot these I'm really asking you to pray these every day. Make this a part of your rhythm going forward, as as I show them on the screen here. Will you, this may sound dramatic to you, will you fast and pray with me for the next two weeks? I'm starting today. Didn't give you a lot of heads up. I thought about emailing you about this. Would you consider, maybe you've never done this before, this is an act Jesus began, his three years of revealing as the voice of God, who God is with fasting. The disciples became people who fasted. This can sound scary and awful. Would you give up something every day of a craving and replace it with your deep desire or craving for God to come close to you, to be in every aspect of your life, to be part of the movement of God in our world? I'm going to list some prayers here, some suggested prayers that I've been praying for you and for us, for my family, for our church God, would you entirely define every aspect of my life with your close presence? Would you define my past with your presence, my future, my present? May every part of my life regrets, mistakes, fill in the blank. Would you make right with your presence every part my past, my future, my present, my voice? my marriage, or or even your divorce, Uh, my parenting, my friendships, my influence, my resources, would you define every aspect, every part of my life with your beautiful close presence and your contagious love? That's prayer number one. And again, you may want to screenshot these so you can take them with you. Here's another prayer. I'm, I'm calling it daily prayer number two. Jesus, awaken in us the people of our church to who you actually are and what you're actually doing in our world. May this awakening begin with me. Daily prayer number three. God, make your church the most exciting thing in the world to us. Make your church the most exciting thing in the world to us and to our neighbors and the neighborhoods around me, wherever you live. Uh, God's vehicle of extending his movement and his love and power in this world as the church. We've talked a lot about this in the past year. We're going to look at that again in this Ephesian study. Uh, we're going to continue in the series in the weeks to come, all the way through March. And I am just, I am putting it in front of you to prioritize the series with us. I love you. These are our prayer, our heart to God, Join us as we put away the idea that I'll call out to God in emergencies, and we're gonna begin seeing prayer as our actual connection to what matters to Him, what His plan ultimately is in this broken world. And you are going to see a completely different reality, I am convinced, unlike anything you've ever seen before. I'm super excited about this year, I love you guys a lot.